Hello, and welcome to episode 77 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always, and with me, as usual, not in the studio today, uh, Brandon Stevens. Brandon, say hello to the people. What's up, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah, we're on the road today. Um, I know this is not an ideal situation, but in a time crunch, when we got a deadline to meet, we will do whatever it takes. We will, we will. We wanted to get this podcast out uh, ahead of the Super Bowl. Um, well, first of all, thank you for listening. Please listen, subscribe, share, rate, review if you can. Uh, we, we appreciate all, uh, all critiques, any feedback you want to give us. We welcome with open arms. Um, but yeah, today's podcast. I don't, I don't. I don't really. I don't really take those critiques really with open arms. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you probably would never. This isn't. A, this isn't. This isn't your podcast. This isn't your coaching moment. All right. Anyway, well, uh, today, Brandon, we do have uh, a couple of uh, incredible individuals, Eddie and Chris Canales, who run a. a nonprofit foundation called gridiron heroes which is doing like Corey borner is actually the one that told me about eddie canales when we interviewed him uh, a few a couple months ago i'm not even sure exactly when it was 10 or 12 episodes ago uh he told me about you know the that they came to the hospital after he was injured and um it's just a while like chris chris has a wild story man you know they well, so- I mean, just give a brief overview, though. Like, what's that, this foundation do? And then I know you're going to go into it in the interview, but. Yeah, so the foundation, they basically do whatever they can to help out these families and um, individuals that suffer spinal cord injuries playing football. And it started out just in the state of Texas. Now they're helping kids, you know, California, all across the country, Florida, California, Tennessee, I think they said. Um, they help them. They've helped Corey and some other folks get, um, you know, wheelchair accessible vehicles, which, you know, that's a huge expense. They've helped uh, people get, we even just get wheelchairs, man. It, it's, it's insane. Just the good that they, they do for the, for the paralysis, spinal cord injury community. So, you know, and they've been really, uh, you know, they do a lot of fundraising, uh, they travel around and, and with COVID they've not, you know, things are down a little bit. So we definitely want to try to get as much, uh, much shine for them as possible, man. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, watching some of the videos you sent over, um, you know, they found that there was, uh, plenty of, and you know, a lot of foundations that worked on research and studies but you know the missing link there was you know after you get hurt you you need some sort of support system and people that have been there before uh to show you the way and so um that was really cool to hear that there's something out there for people because who knows better what someone might be going through than someone that's already gone through that same thing right exactly and uh yeah, it's it's a it's a great conversation. You know, we we spoke for probably forty minutes, forty five minutes, and uh, yeah, I mean, they just are two of the nicest uh, 
nicest people I, I've dealt with on on since we've been uh, doing these interviews. So they they're very cool, man. And we wanted to get this out just in the hopes of um, you know with being a football related episode and and the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, maybe we can can get a few more ears on this and uh, and hopefully help them raise a little money to help other people that are are just going through um, you know this process. So. Um, yeah, let's get to the interview and, uh, we'll just come back on the other side. Okay. This week on the live to walk again podcast, we are very excited to speak with Eddie and Chris Canales, who are the co-founders of the gridiron heroes, spinal cord injury foundation. Um, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So, um, I guess I want to start, Chris, um, with your injury. If you could, you know, for anybody that hasn't, you know, seen the real sports uh, coverage of, of your situation and of the Gridiron Heroes, um, can you kind of tell us your story and then we can get into how Gridiron Heroes got started? Yeah, so basically uh, in 2001, I was a senior defensive back and uh, it was our last home game. Um, it was really bad timing. Uh, fourth quarter, four minutes left in the game. I made a uh, touchdown saving tackle, but along with that, I broke my neck making the tackle. Um, so, I mean, uh, it, it's life-changing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, I, I saw on that real sports uh, segment that I guess you hadn't, you, you were kind of going through some depression, which we all do, um, you know, after an injury like that. And so I guess your dad got you out to the next year to a, to a state playoff game. And, um, you know, talk, talk about that situation and kind of how that spurred on uh, starting the Gridiron Heroes. Right. Uh, yeah, I was going through a lot of depression at the time because um, it was my one-year anniversary. I had scholarships to actually uh, – I was an all-state punter. So uh, I had scholarships to play at the next level. And um, everything was just taken away in an instant. And so uh, depression hit. Um, I was still in the wheelchair. I was still um, just fighting through it all. And um, so he, he took me to the state championship game. And at one of the games, uh, it was Burnett against Everman here in Texas. And um, at that game, we witnessed uh, a young man go down with a spinal injury. And uh, when I saw him hit the ground, um, it, it kind of snapped me out of what I was going through. You know, I immediately wanted to go help him because since I've been through it for a year, I wanted to help him the best way I knew how was going through my experience and uh, with my dad and uh, my mom, with their experience of being a caregiver and uh, with my mom being an educator, um, helping their family go through it. So um, it, it, it made me stop thinking about myself and made me think about others. And uh, I just wanted to go help him. Oh, that's amazing. And then, so Eddie, at that point, you kind of decided to get, get the ball rolling on the 501 C3. Is that right? And, and when, yeah, when did you guys actually start Gridiron Heroes then? In uh, 2003 is actually the, the first year that we started Gridiron Heroes. Okay. And basically, you know, what we ended up doing was it wasn't so much about raising money. It was just becoming, being there for the families, you know, we were, Anytime we heard of, a, of an injury going down, then we would go and get in our van and we'd, you know go and visit with the family at the hospital or at, the, at, at rehab. Um, and you know we just kind of 
we got our P's and Q's from the coaches sometimes and the trainers and when was a good time to go and visit, you know. Um, and so we would go and visit and kind of guide the parents. We would, you know, kind of guide them through what was going to happen next. And, you know, you, with this type of injury, you know as well is that the sooner you get to a point to where you have to look at, you know, um, hoping for the best, but you, you know, also have to um, prepare for the worst. And so part of that is, is, you know, trying to get those parents and that's hard. I mean, it's really hard when you come in because, you know, the, the injury is fresh. Uh, and then when a parent sometimes see Chris coming in a wheelchair, they might not be ready for that, you know? And so it, it's kind of hard sometimes, you know, when you go and visit a family like that, of course, then we have to relive Chris's injury. And so it makes it difficult sometimes. Uh, when is the best time to go and visit a family? Uh, and again, our, a lot of times we would get to a point to where um, if we got to meet a, a family friend or the coach or the trainer and the parents started to ask him more about, you know, more about the injury itself, um, you know, that they weren't getting the information from the doctors, you know, because that back then, or, you know, even sometimes now, but uh, back then um, it was always the worst outcome. You know, uh, you're never going to walk again. You're, you know, you, you have to accept that idea, you know. And so those were one of the things that we hoped and prayed for the best and said, hey, look, you got to get to this point. You know, we're not saying that you're never going to walk again. We're just saying that we've got to prepare for where, where he's at now, where, you know, where that individual is at now. And so once we kind of break the ice with the families, then we can work with the community, the football community, on how best to help that family. You know, once we get an idea of how severe the injury is, uh, we can go in and work with that football community, you know, you know, getting where, like we put ramps to their homes, remodel a restroom facility, all those things that, that they need guidance on that they would have never known, you know, to prepare for. And so that's what, you know, what we started doing when we first initially started was being there for the families, you know, not only initially, but also long-term. And that's where we come back into play later on in their lives uh, in the long-term, because there's always a lot of help the first six months to a year. Then after that, you know as well as I do, it kind of dies down. And for these young men that were um, in high school, um, they get the help, you know, right while they're still in high school. But once they graduate from high school, then there's no help. And then, you know, the schools are done. They've washed their hands off. You know, they're no longer part of the, you know, the community. So uh, the help and the support system that they had from within the school is totally gone. And so, again, that's where we come back in. But you know, what we saw was a shortfall in the long-term support for these families and for these young athletes. And that was one of the things that we wanted to do to change, um, you know, is uh, to try to get long-term support for the families. Uh, that, that's really, I mean, that's a heroic uh, effort on your guys' part. I definitely salute you for that. That's a, it's really amazing. Um, you know, so I know I've seen on, on some different stuff, you guys have gotten helped people with, um, you know, getting wheelchair accessible vans, uh, even wheelchairs for, for people who didn't get them. And actually I, I had sent the uh, real sports video over to a friend of mine and he, um, he called me back after watching it and was just like, I can't, he's like, how did the kid not, how was the kid not able to get a wheelchair? And they had to get him a wheel. Like he's like, school doesn't cover that. Or, you know, there's no, no in some places, in, not every state has, is required to have a catastrophic policy. Mm -hmm. Here in Texas, you're not required to have a catastrophic policy. Wow. Uh, and it all depends on the size of the school. You know, the bigger schools, they have a lot more money than they can provide, you know, that type of stuff. 
But then again, there there are the you know the uh, um, all the paperwork involved sometimes for for a young man to get a, a wheelchair. Um, it take it can be you know they got to first qualify you know for through Social Security and things like that, get the paperwork in. But it can be a while. They get one of these old you know just a regular wheelchair. Well, that's not going to suffice with this type of injury. Uh, we had a young man that. Um, yeah, Medicaid and insurance wouldn't pay for it. And he was a full quad, um, a, a, a you know, complete quad. And so he had a C3, uh, C3, C4 fracture and they wouldn't pay for a wheelchair. So we went and raised the money and got the wheelchair for him, you know? And uh, of course, you know, as well as I do, that's a $65,000 wheelchair because he controlled it with his head. So, you know, he, it was very expensive. Right. There are a lot of things like that that sometimes that you know we we run into with some of the families that um, they're not getting the help that they need, and we try to get around it and just if we know the need that we'll go and try to raise the money to get the items that you know we've done pressure reducing mattresses. We've had individuals that couldn't get a pressure reducing mattress. Uh, one individual had to go through eight surgeries before Medicaid and insurance decided that they would pay for one. You know that's terrible. That shouldn't happen. But, uh, you know, we do what we can. Um, we're, we're still, just Chris and I, basically, uh, we travel quite a bit. We haven't done any traveling, and that's been really hard uh, this last uh, two years, actually, this year and last year. Um, we haven't been able to go to coaching clinics. because you know, Part of us is going to coaching clinics, athletic trainer conferences, AD conferences, uh, getting out in front of the coaches, knowing who we are and what we're about. The biggest part of that is that we want them to know that we still love the game of football. All of these guys still love the game of football. Every single one of them, if you ask them, would they play football all over again, even knowing they could get hurt? The answer is yes. They all say yes. So, you know, they don't, they don't doubt the game for, for their injury. They, they still love the game. But the problem in the long run is that the game forgets them. The, you know, the funds kind of just deter away from them. And, and we've had some hard situations where some families are really suffering bad time. You know, we have a lot of single moms, uh, you know, trying to raise their son and trying to have a, hold down a job, sometimes impossible. You know, this past year, we, we um, for the holidays, we sent uh, Walmart cards to our families. And we raised a little bit of money, not a lot, but we what we raised, we share with the families. And so, I sent $100 Walmart cards to throughout the holidays for Thanksgiving and through the uh, New Year's. Oh, and so many, so many of the families just, you know, text me or email me, call me back, just saying, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to put food on our table. You know, something, it, it, right now I kind of look back and I try to tell the parents and said, look, maybe the good Lord has uh, put us in, uh, you know, this situation for a time like today, like now, where we understand what the families have had to go through were the isolation. We've had to go through that because you know, once they got hurt, they were isolated, away from the sport, away from the game. You can't hug anybody, can't, you know, depending on the level of injury, they, they can't shake hands, they can't. So we've all gone through this. We know what it's like to, to lose the income. We know what it's like to uh, not get the supplies that we need. We've been through this. So I look back and I tell the parents, I said, maybe the good Lord has prepared us for a time like today. You know? Be isolated yeah. from everybody. I mean, and we've so all gone through it. We, you know, so I, I kind of look at, sometimes I, I guess I look at it as the, the glass half empty or the glass half full, basically. You got to look at 
glass half full, you know, yeah. and look at it that way. I said, well, we've been through that, but now we've got to make people understand that we've already had to go through this ourselves. Now that the COVID is here and all this, this problem that we're seeing, uh, it's worse for our families. And so when I get a call from a, fam a family that says, thank you for allowing us to put food on our table, man, it's, that's heartbreaking, you know, that is really yeah. heartbreaking. I can only imagine. I mean, they, yeah, you guys are, are doing incredible work. This is, it's amazing that I, I'm so glad that, you know, I, I ended up interviewing Corey Borner. I told you Eddie, a, a few, a, probably a couple months ago now, and uh, he had mentioned, mentioned you and, and the foundation. And uh, I was, you know, I, that's when I, I said, sent you an email a while back and, and we were finally able to connect. So I'm glad we were able to, to do this just to get, you know, like so people know about this foundation and, and hopefully we can uh, raise some money for you guys. Well, Corey was the last individual that we donated a wheelchair accessible vehicle to. We've donated 15 vans. Uh, and of course, you know, depending on the size of the vehicle, it can run from 75,000 or depending on the size of the wheelchair that they're in, it can run from 75,000 to, you know, 55,000 to $75,000. Yeah. So, you know, we've donated 15 of those. And it's just, um, it's a blessing for us to be able to do that. Of course, it's gotten harder to raise the funds like all nonprofits right now, they're suffering, right. um, you know? Um, and so we try to do what we can, you know, with the funds that we have. And so you know, sometimes by just sending a Walmart card to the families is, you know, if we can do that, we do it. That, that's amazing. Uh, so how many, um, I guess, gridiron heroes are there now? I know on the website, you kind of have a, a roster of, of the guys. Yeah, well, now we're up to 39 here in Texas, from, just from Texas alone, 39 families that we've worked with and have sent, uh, you know, help uh, across the country, probably another 70 all across the country that we've reached out to. Now, a lot of times right now, you know, it's very hard to be able to send, you know, funds and help, you know, to those all across the state. But, you know, we're, our home base is here in Texas. So we, we try to do a lot with our kids from Texas, but we've got kids in Florida and, and as far down as uh, Florida uh, and California as well, where we, you know, we send them some funds as well. We've donated two vans in, in uh, California, uh, donated a van in Tennessee, and uh, so, you know, we have helped some of those from out of state also as well when we get the funds. But, uh, you know, we just do what we can, you know, when, when we have the funds. Wow. Yeah, that's that's incredible. They, I mean, yeah, because a wheelchair van, like you said, they're not definitely not cheap. Wheelchairs or wheelchair <laughs> accessible vehicles are not cheap. Well, and not only that, it's life changing for the families, you know, unless you're in it and you're having to use one, you don't really realize it. Well, we had a young man from, from the Dallas area also that we, we donated a van to, and they asked him, uh, they did an interview, and they asked him, what is the first thing you want to do, you know, when you get your van? He said, well, I haven't been out of my house in a year. He said, so the first thing I'd like to do is go through a drive-in window at a jack-in-the-box and order a hamburger. You know, something as simple yeah. as that, you know, how much of a difference it makes in someone's life, things that we take for granted sometimes, you know, to, to be able to do that, you know, so... Yeah, you know, it's those are heartwarming kind of stories that we're able to share that we can make a difference. And that's what's, you know, really what keeps us going is being able to make a little bit of a difference, you know. Wow. Um, you know, it, in that real sports uh, story they did on the foundation, I, I think that aired in 2010, if I if I did my math correctly. And uh, I think at that point, you guys said that um, only there had only been one year that 
you hadn't added any new uh, new injuries to, to the gridiron heroes list. So since 2010, have there been um, any more years that there hasn't? Yeah, been there's been two years, two other years where we haven't had an injury. So three right. total in basically the last 20 years then. Right, right. And then last year here in Texas, uh, we had four spinal injuries here in Texas last year. And that keeps us busy. You know, that when, when, when we get those injuries like that, especially here in Texas, that, that keeps us pretty busy, you know. Yeah. Um, communicating with the coaches, the families, and, you know, going to visit with them, but kind of guiding those, that, that football community, how to best to help them. You know, that's just, there's a lot involved with that. And, I mean, it's just Chris and I, you know, my wife, that we do this stuff. Yeah. And, and so there, you're talking about like this, like during the, COVID-19 there was there was that many injuries or that was the year before that was the year before yeah. okay and did, so did Texas have a high school football season this year oh yeah yeah, yeah. I think uh, there were 41 states that did not have a high school season Texas was one that did have one okay yeah I was yeah here in Washington state they're just this is their first week of practice they're going to try to do a kind of a abbreviated spring schedule but at least the kids will get to get to have a season so um you know I wanted to know um I guess what how has the foundation been received you know like the NFL college football they do all these things um you know wounded warriors foundation and the the breast cancer awareness month and things like that um have you guys had any communication with the NFL or college football um on on any kind of level where thinking about, you know, working with you guys or anything like that? We reached out to the NFL um, and we have uh, had response from them pretty much like a, a just a cover letter where it says, I, we, we're aware of what you do and we appreciate what you do, but um, we have our, you know, foundations that we're going to support and the Wounded Warriors and the, the um, Susan B. Coleman Foundation, which is great, uh, you know, um, yeah. but don't call us, we'll call you if something ever opens up is, is kind of like the attitude. The, the biggest deal for us, the downfall I think is that, and I get a lot of people ask, well, why doesn't the NFL help? It's easier to get behind the pink stuff. It's easy to get behind the wounded warriors because this is a reflection of the game. This injury with these young men is a reflection of the game and they don't want that in the forefront. For many, many years, the way this has always been handled from the NFL all the way on down is out of sight, out of mind. And so getting funds from, from the NFL level, we're, you know, we're, we're, we don't get any funds from them. Um, we've reached out to them, but no response, any positive response from them as far as funds. And, and they should be able to do something like that. On the college level, like Chris and I get to go to those coaching clinics and trainer conferences. We get to meet a lot of the big name coaches. And from time to time, we'll get a couple of those big name coaches that will support us and help us. And we do some fundraisers with them, do a golf tournament or something like that. And they'll come out and help, uh, you know, with some of that. Um, we get a better report, you know, rapport with the coaches on the college level um, than we do on the NFL level. Um, and then on the high school level, you know, we, we reach out to coaches. And that's hard, too, because coaches on the high school level, you know, they don't want to talk about it either. I mean, we've gone to clinics where they see Chris in a wheelchair and coach, they'll see Chris there and he'll take off in another direction. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to face the reality that, that this is something that could happen. 
And so it makes it real hard for when we're trying to raise money and create awareness. Um, you know, I always like to, like to put it in perspective, but, and the way I try to do that is by saying, you know, everybody remembers when the racehorse barber went down. When the racehorse barber went down, the racehorse community raised millions of dollars for the medical treatment and care of a fine animal. But we as part of the football community, all those that love the game of football, all those that are involved in the sport, we need to value our human injured athletes as much if not more than what, you know, the racehorse you know, valued a horse basically is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, we got to get to that point and but we're a long ways from that. You know, we've got to quit burying our heads in the sand uh, and, and understand that they still love the game. You know, we're, we're not, you know, we've never come out against football. We still, and what I try to tell coaches also um, when, when I get to talk to the coaches uh, is to, you know, put that on them that we still love the game, but we also want them to understand that what they teach and what, what these kids learn by playing are the, are the tools that they need to fight for their lives. The never quit attitude, the hard work and determination, the discipline that they need to fight for their lives is instilled by them playing and listening to their coaches. So I always tell coaches that just because that young man can't play for you anymore, doesn't mean you don't have an influence on his life. You will always have an influence on his life. Right. And so, you know, and that's the, the perspective that we and how we approach it. Because I'll get parents, moms will come up to me and say, how can you still support the game of football when you know your son was injured playing? But, the, you know, those, those things, just the tools that they provide by playing and, and listening to coaches and stuff, those are all positive things. I don't know that Chris would be here if he didn't have that, that strong will and determination. Right. Um, yeah, that, that's incredible. I mean, yeah, it, the love of football definitely. I mean, you can see that in, in uh, especially on that documentary, the, the, the real sports segment um, that they, they talk about how that's like the, like Chris, like you bond, like you guys bond over football when, whenever you go into the hospital rooms or whatever you guys, that, that's like the one, you know, connecting factor between you all, no matter what. Um, then that was, I was actually going to ask if, if, you had to do it over. Yeah, you guys already kind of answered the question. I was going to ask if you had to do it over again, would you still play have played football? And it sounds like that that's a definite yes, huh? Oh yeah, I play smarter than. Yeah. <laughs> now I know what to uh, to expect. So yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I probably would if I could go back now, knowing what I know, I'd stick to punting since I have my scholarships for punting. Um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I still play. I miss the game. Yeah, yeah. I do miss hitting people, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris, on the night he got hurt, he was having an awesome game. He had, I think it was eight tackles, five solo tackles. He had a sack. He had an interception. He was all over the place. He was having a great game. So, wow. yeah. And, was, yeah, so, Eddie, would you – and that was my other question was going to be, would you have – if you could go back now, you know, when Chris is uh, – a little guy and, and trying to go out for football, would you change any, any decision? Would you still let him go out and play? Yeah, no, I, I, you know, they play. I've got two grandkids right now and they're all playing football. They still, you know, they're out there doing it. I just would, would uh, teach them better tackling techniques sometimes, I, you know, sometimes what we, what we have to do. And one of the reasons we've had a hard time too with, with uh, you know, with uh, getting support is that I, um, feel that we were kind of like the catalyst. We have a documentary also out there, um, 
but uh, we were the catalyst for the original heads up football program that the NFL and USA football created. Oh. Uh, we introduced the coach that created the program. Um, but uh, we kind of went sideways in the sense that uh, for the little kids, our whole approach was like uh, keeping your head up. And the reason they adopted it was because our program was researched by the LA 84 Foundation out of California. And, um, and, and it, it actually came out to say, well, if you use this tackling program, it would reduce the helmet first impact by at least 43%. That's 100% of the crown taken out of the tackle. Yeah. That's why the NFL bought into it. However, what they started to see was with the little kids, when they put a helmet on, they couldn't keep their head up. So our approach was if they can't keep their head up, they don't need to be playing tackle football. Yeah. They didn't like that. They didn't like that approach at all. So we kind of had to go different ways. And, um, you know, we, I guess, still on the dark side of that part of it, you know, because I think it's, it's very important that they have the ability. And, and I, even when I talked to coaches, high school coaches, I said, I have no qualms teaching it, you know, to uh, our kids on the lower level and high school level, because they have to learn to keep their head up. Yeah. And what happens is that, we don't put enough emphasis on the neck muscles at that level in the, you know, high school level. We don't put enough strength and connect. Now, when they get to college, that's the first thing they're going to do. That, that's, you know, they're going to strengthen up and they're going to bulk up. Uh, professional level, they're going to be ready for that. But on the lower levels, they're not going to be, you're not going to have that. You know? So that's why I said, if they can't keep their head up, don't let them play tackle football. That's a, that's and a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches agree with me. I mean, um, yeah, it doesn't make much sense, but kid can't keep his head up to, you know, try to teach him how to tackle properly. Um, you know, I wanted to add, the, I was wondering, like, what, um, so you, you talk about coaches clinics that you guys go and speak at. Um, are those for, for college coaching clinics, high school coaching clinics, little league coaching clinics, like where you guys kind of try to run the full gambit there? Of, of, uh, yeah, I mean... Chris and I would normally be very busy. We would have already done like four clinics, um, you know. Majority of your high school. Yeah, majority of my high school. But what happens is those those high school clinics, they bring in college coaches to come and talk to coaches, high school coaches. So those clinics are really important because the, the college coaches get to interact with those high school coaches. They kind of meet. Then they have that, you know, that rapport and a, a way to know if, a coach has a, a player that they want a coach to look at, a college coach to look at and stuff like that. So um, there are several clinics that are out there that are big name, the uh, Nike coaching clinic of the year. Um, and then there's a, like the Glazier clinics that are out there that we, we go to from time to time as well. Uh, the Glazier clinics have um, high school and uh, um, youth level type of clinics where they teach coaches and they not only go over X's and O's, but they, you know, they go through some of the basic stuff. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, you know, and Eddie, I wanted to ask you um, I, about the uh, CNN Heroes uh, Award that you won in, I believe, 2011. Um, like, how, what, what, you know, what kind of honor was that? I mean, I know Kurt Warner introduced you at the event. It seemed pretty amazing. You had Chris come out to accept the award with you, which was very moving. And, uh, you know, yeah, you guys, I'd, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on that and what kind of honor that was. Well, it was a it was a really blessing. I mean, it was an awesome experience because you got to meet other people that are just as passionate as, as I was about their causes. 
um, you know, they were all good causes. And, um, but to be named one of the top 10 out of, I think, 10,000 that were, you know, submitted, uh, we were named one of the top 10 CNN heroes. And so just an awesome experience because, you know, it was celebrity studied, you know, type event it was on TV and, um, it was just a, a great experience overall for, for both of us. That's cool. And actually, in the class that we were in, I mean, it's a tight knit class. I mean, we still talk to each other. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, I mean, they're all great people. Oh, that that's very very cool. Um, oh, the one other thing I wanted to ask about Eddie, I know when we spoke on the phone the other day, which I had no idea, and it, it makes complete sense, but. Um, you told me that, um, I guess, uh, injury, neck injuries, spinal cord injuries that related to football, almost everyone ends up a quadriplegic and yeah, I didn't. Well, the majority of our kids that we have right now that, that we deal with the 39 that, uh, we have and 70 or so across have been all quads pretty much. Uh, I think we've had maybe a handful maybe five or six that were, were Paris. Right. Uh, but right now, I can't, can't think of any Paris, right? Yeah, Chris. Chris, uh, daughter? Yeah. That's a pair. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so I guess, yeah. But I mean, his wasn't football related. His was more, uh, uh, it was during a football event, but he was weightlifting and he uh, fell back and broke his back. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess the majority of those the injuries you figure probably leading with your head and, and exactly. getting, yeah, you know, hit the wrong. Yeah, way. the majority of the injuries that we have with our kids are content, you know, from yeah. C C2 on down to C7, you know. Uh, but, but I guess the most of them would be a C5, C6 fractures. Okay. And what's your uh, level of injury at, Chris? I'm C5, C6. C5, C6, right on. Um, and yeah, you know, Chris, how long? I guess that that was what I forgot at the beginning there when you were kind of telling how you were injured. How long did you end up um, going to rehab for and uh, and doing all that before you were able to come home? Uh, well, initially when I went to the hospital, I was in it for a month in ICU because I had complications. Uh, so I mean, that prolonged everything. It prolonged my uh, initial surgery on my neck too. Um, so I didn't have my surgery right away like some others do. Um, I had my, I think, nine days later um, because of complications. And then with all those complications, it set me back a month. And then after I was able to go to rehab, I spent three months in rehab. Okay. So, I mean, I went through Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, holidays and rehab, and it sucked. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's, <laughs> that's terrible um yeah unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately right now it, they're not getting that uh the majority of them get six weeks and then they're out they, they don't get that much uh, rehab anymore or that much in in the facility like that um yeah then, yeah i interviewed uh anthony purcell i don't know if you guys are familiar with him he has a foundation um, based out of Florida, I believe, and they, that's their whole thing is trying to get people more, you know, I mean, get a lot of the similar things that you guys are doing, just not on a football, um, basis. It's more, you know, they're, they're trying to get people more like 
extended stays in rehab, things like that, um, which is, is very cool. But yeah, I had no, I, you know, cause I got injured in nine, 1998. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I was in rehab for, yeah, probably three, three and a half months, something like that. And, uh, um, yeah, they just, I don't think the kids, your people, anybody gets that anymore, which is, which no, is they don't give you any time to learn anything. Yeah, especially for the, the first, family yeah that's the first thing we do when we, we reach out to the families is we'll go talk to the mom or the dad whoever's going to be the caregiver I said look as soon as he you know get in you need to start learning how to take care of him because once he gets home it's all on your shoulder and, and it's scary you know uh to take over like that you, you don't have the doctors and stuff and that's one of the things that i'm able to do now when we get you know the early new injuries is i can talk to the parents and i'll get a call at two o'clock three o'clock in the morning and uh, you know, go through something what they were doing with they were having problems pathing when they had some problems with pressure sores or something. Well, you know, how did I take care of Chris when you know give him some instructions and guidance? And and sometimes they're just especially for the caregivers. You know, the caregivers are you know usually the moms, the single moms that they'll call just just to vent. You know, because again, a lot of times the guys are look healthy, they're strong, they go to school and, you know, they see the kids in the, in the wheelchair, they think everything's okay. But the parents, the caregivers, you know, they realize what it takes to put someone in that wheelchair and what they have to go through, you know, whether it's the cathing, the bathing, um, you know, virtual releases, all that stuff, um, you know, that people aren't aware of. And so, Sometimes just to have an outlet for the moms to talk to, just to get, you know, they say, you know, people see this, they don't know what I'm going through every day. They're, they just want to be, you know, have that outlet to release all their frustrations on. And, you know, sometimes that's all I have to offer, you know, uh, is for them to be able to do that. And so. Well, I'm sure that, I'm sure that's a huge help, even just being able to, yeah, to have somebody to talk to and vent to like that. Um, you know, Chris, at the end of these interviews, I, I like to, um, just kind of ask, you know, anybody who is in our situation, if they have any, you know, kind of health tips or if you found any supplements or anything like that, that, that have been helpful to you over the years that uh, you could offer up to anyone else listening. Uh, I don't know. I try to do everything holistically. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I just go online and see what's best. Uh, like I, he keeps on me a lot about uh, like drinking a lot of water. I mean, I drink a lot of hot tea. Um, so I, I try different kind of teas that's supposed to be healthy for you. Um, just different little things. I, I go online to see what helps for what, you know, like uh, good for UTIs or the night. I haven't uh, had any UTIs lately. So, I mean, um, I try to stay away from everything. My main goal is to stay out of the hospital, especially now with COVID and everything else going on. But um, so, yeah, I, I just go online and just look up different things of what uh, naturally can help you with different things. Like if I'm starting to get body aches or something, that, you know, just little things. Right. I, mean, I, I don't know if you've had the experience with COVID, man. It feels like every time I have yeah. like a tickle in my throat or something, I'm like, start panicking I'm like oh yeah. man I <laughs> well, if you read laugh. online every any little sign now is dealing with COVID I'm like that's every everyday stuff like for especially for us it's yeah. like every little symptom they show on there says you have COVID I'm like I don't know what to believe 
No, we did some things when when Chris first got hurt the first two or three years that uh, we were very fortunate. A doctor that had come from out of country, from another country, um, they did muscle stimulation program on Chris, and um, it helped with build, rebuilding some of his muscles, and um, it, it it really helped. I mean, I think I attribute that to one of the reasons that Chris is a, a very strong quad. Uh, you know, even though some people will think and look at him because he's able to propel his wheelchair with this part of his hand. Uh -huh. He uses this part of his wrist to propel his wheelchair. Some people think he's a pair, but, um, but he worked really hard using this uh, neuromuscular electrical stimulation program and it um, helped rebuild some of his muscles. And this was done 20 years ago. And we try to take the doctor to rehab facilities to, uh, hospitals to show them what we're doing because Chris was the proof of the pudding but nobody wanted to accept it they had blinders on you know and so Chris was just getting healthier and stronger his, his legs went from 12 inches in circumference to 22 his calves went from six to 12 and a half inches uh the biggest thing for us was that as a caregiver for me was that he was able to cough on his own because before he could he didn't have he couldn't cough Right. And so by rebuilding that, what they did, they would work every group of muscles. You know, one day he'd come and work all the back muscles. And then on the next day, he'd come work all the front muscles. And, um, you know, he would come twice a week and, and visit with them. He'd sit, you know, this is what he did with his able-bodied athletes and, uh, in Europe. And uh, he said, I don't know if it'll work. I don't know if it'll help. I, wanna, I, wanna, I heard your story. I want to try. And it helped. I mean, it helped Chris a lot. Wow. Uh, but he was on what 17 different meds at one time, and then he came off all the meds. Chris doesn't take any meds now. No, you don't. Not even anything for muscle spasms, huh? Yeah, the only thing I take is Baclofen. Nope. Uh, yeah, so it's a low dosage too. So yeah, that's the only thing I take. Uh, that's awesome. Other than that, yeah, that's so, awesome. You know, we've done some of the stuff now. There's some other stuff that we use uh, a product called Asia. We were introduced to it by a gentleman that played football with me and Joe Green. Uh, Tom Beasley. Tom Beasley played on Pittsburgh football team. Uh, Beasley had contacted about us. He knew about Chris's situation and said he wanted to see if he, he could help. Because when they were playing football, you know, back then, you know, all they did was mask it by giving them popping drugs and pills and, you know, going back out there and playing. So we didn't know what we were doing. We loved the game. We were just getting out there and playing. Right. So, but now that he's older, he, you know, his knees are bad, his legs are bad, his back is bad, and his neck is bad. He said he was taking a lot of medicines and stuff. He said, so a product called ASEA, A-S-E-A. -E um, and, and the side product to go with it is called Renew 28. And what we ended up doing, Chris, during this time period, always would, would have pain. When the weather changed outside, he would have pain in his neck that was so sensitive you couldn't touch it. So we tried this product and it, and it actually really worked because it took away Chris's pain that he had had for like 15 years. We tried all kinds of different stuff, but wow. the product of CETA worked and it, and it really did uh, help with relieving the pain because he doesn't have to, to, to do anything anymore. I mean, he, he, if, he, if there's any time that he has a little something that's going wrong, I'll put that Renew 28 on, on his back or in his neck area, mm -hmm. you know, that relieves his pain. He drinks the, the, the ASEA every day. He drinks the ASEA every day. Okay. And so that's kind of, and what it does is what they call, it, 
helps with the redox signaling molecules. It helps rebuild the molecules from within inside you. Uh, it's the signals that need to help rebuild those cells. And so it, there's all kind of research on it now. Um, back when we first started on it, there wasn't a lot, but now there's all kind of research on it that says, this is what it can do. This is what it can help with. And they're not afraid to, that the downfall for me now is that the, they uh, they use it more like a cosmetic type of product because it helps with facial things. And uh, so they sell it like more of a, co a uh, cosmetic type of deal, but it does relieve the pain. It has relieved Chris's pain. Wow, I'll definitely link that to the to the podcast here. So I can send you a link. I can send you a link to it too. That'd be great. Yeah. And then um, before we wrap up, guys, I guess what um, you know, do you, I'll link the website to the podcast as well. But do you want to tell everybody what the website is and where they can go to donate and 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 check out your guys' stories? Yeah. Uh, you can visit us at www.gridironheroes.org. Um, yeah. So yeah. You can do it there. Uh, we have uh, we have something set up. You could donate there. Yeah. Okay. Donate and you guys have a Facebook page. Is that just Gridiron Heroes on Facebook? Right. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we'll definitely link those uh, those all up. And uh, I appreciate your guys' time, man. It was a great great conversation, and hopefully, thank we can help you raise some money here. Well, thank you. Yeah, appreciate thank you, you having yeah. us on and, and helping create some awareness. You know. Um, I don't know how, how many people you, you're able to touch with, but you know, every little bit helps and um, you know, being out there to, to as, a, as your viewers are there, if you ever see someone, when they, whatever state they're in, that goes down with a spinal injury playing football, um, you know, let us know. Let us know. Yeah. We, Absolutely. We do what we can try to help those families. So. Well, you guys, you guys are doing honorable work. We uh, we all appreciate it. I know everybody in the in the wheelchair and spinal cord injury community definitely definitely appreciates you guys. So keep it keep up the good work, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk soon. All right, all right. thank appreciate you very much. It. Thanks, guys. All right, that was Eddie and Chris Canales. Uh, you know, those guys are are they're really heroes, man. I mean, there's there's no real you know, ifs, ands, or buts about it, they, they're, they're doing uh, great work for, for people, for families, you know, Eddie mentioned they, they try to send out $100 gift cards to help these families put food on the table, there's a lot of single mothers that are trying to deal with, with uh, kids and that, that, you know, we're about to go to college, man, and, and play college football and thrive, and and uh, now their their whole lives changed in the blink of an eye. So, um, yeah, I, I really yeah, salute those, them. Yeah, no, those uh, they're doing work that that's going to go unsung. Um, that's not going to get. They don't do it for a ton of shine or the spotlight. This is just real, like you know, putting the the wheels in the mud and and doing the the hard work for people that because. Um, man, you, you don't really know how much uh, something like that really helps people um, unless you've been in a tragedy like that. To have somebody that, that has been there, like I said before, um, it just means the world. I know it does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that, that like, yeah, we weren't, when we, when we talked to Corey Borner, I mean, we weren't like bringing up like, oh, who helped you after, you know, after you were injured he just like talked about that because it was so impactful on him you know so um 
you know, these guys are, they're doing well. Like I, it's too bad because um, I told you this already, but uh, when I recorded the interview the other day, like after we got off the air and we were just talking before we, before we parted ways, they were um, telling me about how they were on the set for Friday night lights and, um, then the TV show Friday Night Lights has to do with uh, a guy, uh, the, the star quarterback, getting injured in the first episode. And, and uh, that's pretty much based on Chris's story. Uh, he was a safety and a punter instead of a quarterback. But, uh, the, you know, we talked for another like 30 minutes. So it was too, too late to start recording again. And uh, so we're going to definitely have them back on to talk about, you know, the true, true Hollywood story of Chris Canales on here. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, on, on the video footage of, that I saw, Chris, he was a beast out there, man. Yeah. I mean, he was all over the field. So, yeah, um, and you know, I got to go, go ahead. I got to say, I got to say from a, um, a perspective of um, as a former football player and also someone that didn't suffer a spinal cord injury, it wasn't the easiest thing to watch that footage. I'm going to be honest. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's always uh, hard it, for me to watch that stuff too, man. Like, but uh, but it's the real it's the real deal, man. It was a lot. It reminded me a lot of some of the tough footage that we watched of Paul going through his recovery, um, struggling, you know, with mm -hmm. um, certain things from a day to day. But yeah, that was it was brutal, man. And then then to go uh, have that kind of. Uh, I want to know what the whole the whole reason why they feel like they sparked that um, foundation being that they, um, you know, went to a football game and then someone suffered a spinal cord injury. Yeah, the which, first, the first I mean, game Chris was at after after uh, after suffering his spinal cord injury a year prior, man. He first game he his dad's like trying to do something to to you know get him out of the house and you know, break him out of this depression that he had been in. And then boom, man, a guy gets injured in the, in the next game he goes to, which is just like, what are the odds? I mean, that's crazy. Cause I've been to, I've been to probably a hundred high school football games. I've never seen somebody get injured. Even, I've never even seen somebody have to get taken off a field on a stretcher or anything, you know, let alone get a uh, spinal cord injury. Yeah. And so, you know, and then for him to just be like automatically think like, I got to help this kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's what I, that's what I gotta do. And Chris, uh, that was a moving that was a moving moment. Yeah. Well, and in the interview, um, I know you haven't heard it yet, but he talked about that specifically as that's what really um, got him out of his funk. And he just kind of at that moment realized he had to do you know help other people with this, and it's just yeah, it's it's a it. heroic uh, it's a heroic journey these guys are on, man. Which is yeah, it's. Yeah. It's, uh, it's certainly very cool. It's certainly purpose. It's certainly purpose driven, and uh, you know, it's it, it makes it's fulfilling. Um, life's all about giving, not taking, Jeremy. And I think probably Chris right now is finding a lot of joy in helping people yeah. um, going through one terrible moment. Yeah, man, I feel like you just came at me with a little heat, bro, and you're like, oh, life's about giving, not taking, Jeremy. My my bad, man. I'm just saying, uh, as I go, as I get older, you know, I'm not trying to to preach or nothing. I just, you know, 
we try yeah. to figure out like where we try to figure out where joy comes from. Yeah, you know, like what makes, what makes us happy. So, but I think you're all you're a giver, man. Look at this. You're giving this this podcast to the world, man. Yeah, and you're putting true. and you and you put a lot of energy into this, a lot of energy, and you and you pester me all the freaking time, man. About no, I mean Brand, Brandon's to... sitting in his new Tesla at a Tesla charging station right now. Uh, Filling, his, filling up the juice in his car so that uh, I made him. I, he wasn't going to be able to film or uh, record till later. So I was like, well, we're doing it when you're when you're charging up, bro. Let's go. Yeah, because uh, and so, you know, that's that's one way that you're giving back right now and highlighting stories like Chris's or Corey's or anybody else that you've interviewed on the podcast is um, it's, it's definitely a service that we all we all need to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, man, it's crazy, like editing down these, like whenever we do these Zoom calls, like obviously me and you never hardly ever do this anyway. Um, but the interviews, I always I always come in hot when uh, when I start talking. because then I'm like, oh, wait, I got to tone that down a little bit. So I apologize if I'm yelling during this uh, during this part of what? the interview. Dude, whenever I, that's just the way you do these things, like whenever my kids turn on YouTube, Everybody on that fucking thing yells, dude. Like, I'm like, why does every YouTuber yell? I don't get it. Like, you can talk normal. It's okay. Yeah, right. Yep. It's, but, then, uh, but then again, but then again, you got to bring the energy, Jay. It's true, man. It, it's true. Um, Since we're both, like, pretty laid back in general. <laughs> yeah, pretty- right. I know a lot of people always are like, oh, you guys sound alike to me. I've gotten that for years we're just pretty laid back when it comes to everything anyway. So if we don't bring the energy, then, you know, uh, sorry, we're not, we're not, uh, and we're not motivational speakers necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, good news for everyone. We're, uh, this podcast is coming out. We're going to get another podcast, another special edition out, um, with Kai Bickle Nygaard, uh, and we, me and Kai, uh, it recorded an interview. Kai, Kaizen, Kaizen oh, Bickle. Man, I'll try to cut that out. Yeah, Kaizen Bickle, he's not going to hear this anyway. But anyway, Kaizen Bickle, uh, we, we talked to uh, Chris Hansen about, uh, like, to catch a predator, Chris Hansen, talked to him about, um, you know, did the disabled community being at a much higher risk of sexual assault. Um, just because of what's going on with Kai's biological dad, um, a new Chris Hansen executive produced documentary series came out today about called Unseemly. And then I'm not sure what the subtitle is, The Trials of Peter Nygaard or something like that. But uh, yeah, so we're going to we talked to Chris Hansen last night about, you know, just the disabled community about to catch a pro. We talked about a lot of things, so. That'll be coming out, and then uh, we're we're taking a week off, Brandon. So uh, oh yeah, well like we should you, do you take weeks off all the time. I'm taking a week off uh, from recording, so we'll be back. I guess on we're gonna put another one out probably Sunday or Monday, and then we will be back on the twentieth with our regularly scheduled programming. So everybody, uh, yeah, everybody, please go check out. Gridiron Heroes, it's such a noble cause. Um, check them out, check out Chris and Eddie and, and everybody that, that they're working with there. And uh, you know, let's try to raise some money for them if possible. 
Absolutely. All right, B. Well, I will talk to you later. And yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Again, please uh, please like, share, rate, review, all those uh, good things. We appreciate you listening. Talk to you next time.